Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. So welcome back, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. We had a little bit of a hiatus. I was on holiday last week, went to Las Vegas, and uh, just to point out, um, you were mentioning before we went live to our guest uh, about how hot it was. You're on your way to where? Salina, Kansas, for the Senior LPGA Championship, where it's supposed to be 107. Ooh, ouch. Um, well, I have you. Yeah, I have you beat by a little bit. It was 118 in Las Vegas um, last week. Really? Day. So, it, oh yeah. It was just, <laughs> thank God. For air conditioning, let me tell you, it was pretty bad. Yeah, there were a couple of days it was 118 degrees, they said. Um, we actually got rain on the Thursday, finally. Uh, it was clear, you know, as, as you know, out that neck of the woods, it's always clear and sunny It's uh, for the most part. But, uh, yeah, it was it was steamy. But um, but anyways, we're, we're back in sunny Florida where it's humid and, and steamy, so I guess we're trading one for the other. All right, we want to welcome everybody to the show, and thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, we've got a great show for you. We're going to be joined by uh, young, uh, Amelia Garvey from the LPGA's Epson Tour. She's going to be joining us here momentarily. And uh, then Cindy and I, if we've got a few minutes at the end of the show, we may have a brief discussion about your plans at the LPGA Senior Championship. So we'll talk about that. But let me introduce Amelia, and then we'll bring her out. Uh, she's a native of uh, Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, played collegiately at the University of Southern California. Uh, she graduated a three-time All-American and a two-time All-Pac-12 first-team selection. Uh, she helped the, the uh, USC to win two Pac-12 titles while she played in three NCAA championships. Uh, some of her other collegiate highlights, uh, 2021, she had an appearance in the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Uh, she also had two starts in the U.S. Women's Open in 2020 and 2021, respectively and tied for seventh at the 2019 NCAA Championship. And this year, 2022, is her rookie year on the Epson Tour. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Amelia Garvey. Good morning. Thank you for having me, guys. We're so glad well, we appreciate it. My husband said that New Zealand is the best place he's ever been. The friendliest uh, people in the world. 
<laughs> well, I guess you're about to find out, but yeah, no, it's a pretty, pretty special place. Uh, yeah, I do miss home a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, if you ever get the chance to get over to New Zealand, it's it's beautiful, especially if you like the outdoors. That is awesome. Ted, go ahead. Yeah, never been there, but uh, that's for sure on my bucket list. It's uh, I actually have a friend's mother uh, who's been there many, many times. Uh, she's got relatives there and, and just says it's absolutely breathtaking. Um, so on that note, let me ask you, because New Zealand, you know, when you think of golf, uh, you don't think of, of uh, you know, necessarily a, a big presence in golf there. So how did you get your start? Um, being from New Zealand, obviously I know there's golf there as, as there is over in Australia, but um, how did you get your, your start in golf? Not necessarily as a professional, but just who introduced you to the game and how did you um, really get bitten by the bug, if you will? Um, for me, it was just so... I actually was born in Manchester, England and moved over okay. to New Zealand when I was five. Um, but I was just a real tomboy. Like, I I was into every sport, to be honest. I played... Uh, basketball, cricket, tennis, soccer, and then my dad just got me. My dad used to play pretty socially, and he just got me a little plastic set of golf clubs when I was, um, I think it was for my sixth birthday, and one day he just saw me uh, randomly just swinging them out in the back garden. Uh, I think he was in the kitchen looking out, and he just was like, oh my goodness, like that is not a swing that a six-year-old should have, especially someone that's never been taught how to swing a golf club. So, yeah, just picked it up from there. I carried on playing a lot of those other sports right up until probably like my sophomore year of high school um, and kind of decided golf was the one for me when I headed over to um, university for college over here. And, yeah, I haven't looked back since, I guess. Very interesting, and, and you know, it, it's, I think some, some of the best players, um, when you look at their swings, are ones that develop naturally. Um, you certainly, you know, it, it, you need to have a coach there and, and a professional to help, you know, pinpoint some areas that might need improvement, but I think sometimes some of the best golfers uh, develop their swings naturally, so it sounds like your dad had a good eye and, and obviously uh, recognized uh, some hidden talent uh, that he uh, peeked through the kitchen window and... and uh, uh, helped you obviously to aspire to to continue that. So let's fast forward a little bit to uh, your collegiate years. Obviously, you played for the University of Southern California, as I mentioned, uh, had some success there. Um, and we've talked about this on the show, Cindy and I, before. Obviously, playing in a collegiate format as opposed to what you're doing now on tour, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, um, is different because now you're part of a team. Um, so was that an easier adjustment to to do now that you're part of a team was that something that you really gravitated to or was it something that was challenging a little bit too because typically golf you're you're on your own out there so how did you find your what was your experience obviously you guys did well uh when you were there uh you won some titles but uh how did you feel overall playing collegiately um honestly it was a bit of both but overall i absolutely loved the idea of um, being on a team, you know, as I said, I grew up playing a lot of sports that were um, team-oriented, and I think just for me, being from New Zealand, which there weren't a lot of 
girl golfers around me, I would just be practicing with a, a lot of, you know, guys to be fair. So mm. it was really amazing to get over to the States and it was eye-opening to see how many girls there were playing this sport at such a high level. Um, and also just being able to go out every morning and have that accountability where, you know, you have to show up for your team and your coaches. Um, it, you know, it kept me getting out of bed every morning, which was amazing. I think something that I needed um, mm-hmm. because it, it got lonely, you know, in New Zealand. It was, yeah, as you say, a very individual sport. Um, so it was quite refreshing to be able to get over to the States and just especially at USC, we were, you know, one of the top programs in the country. So every day you're going out and practicing with, I think we had six All-Americans at one point on our team. Um, Mm -hmm. But just to learn from them and to compete against them on a day-to-day basis, it was, it was really cool and it definitely motivated me to get better. Um, but it did come with its, its downfall. Like, you know, I, I was kind of a big fish in a small pond um, in New Zealand and then got over to the States and realised, wow, like, there was a lot of girls trying to do the exact same thing um, as me. And we used to do qualifiers every week um, at school. And I saw my fair share of missing teams um, early on in my freshman and sophomore year. Um, But, you know, that only made me more determined to get better and be able to compete, you know, full-time on the team, which I ended up doing. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was was an amazing experience. And to be able to play golf and get a degree at the end of it as well, I think um, it's something that, a lot of girls should, you know, uh, strive towards. I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, the golf is one thing, but, yes, the education is obviously the most important uh, aspect of it. I, I just want to ask one quick follow-up, and then, Cindy, I'm going to uh, bounce it over to you. So now playing on a team at that point, we'll flash back to, to your USC days. Um, as a, You know, as I mentioned, now you're part of a team. Did you feel more pressure being part of a team because – as, as opposed to just playing on your own uh, as you're doing now uh, professionally, uh, because you're 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 not just accountable to yourself. You're accountable to the team. If you're not sort of figuratively pulling your weight, as it were, um, do you feel that that was a more pressure packed than having playing individually in your own tournaments? Um, yeah, I think uh, not really. Uh, my coach Justin Silverstein, he was very big on just kind of forgetting almost forgetting about that team aspect and focusing on your own game and how you're going to perform the best yourself. And then, obviously, if you have five girls doing that, um, there's going to be a good number, a good team number at the end of the day. So he was really big at, at not getting too caught up on the team aspect of things, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think it did ease a lot of, of pressure, um, especially when you know all your girls on the team are, are great players and, you know, they're doing everything they can just to um, put in the work for themselves. But, yeah, we were – there were times when, you know, I would have to, you know, coming down the last few holes, I was counting and I'd need to put up a number. Um, 
coming coming in to win a tournament or something like that. But for me, that was the really cool part about it. And um, you don't get that out on out on tour. You don't have that kind of um, experience where what you do really affects anyone else. Um, and mm. I think those were the most rewarding wins is when you've been able to step up for you and your teammates and your coaches. Um, I don't think anything could ever really top that. I remember I had to, like, make a putt on the last hole at the pack. No, at uh, regionals it was. It was like a 12-footer and the leaderboard was right there. And if I missed it, we were going into a a playoff and it was my senior year. So, you know, that means regionals. If you don't get through, you don't play nationals. Um, right. And, yeah, that's probably one of the coolest putts I've ever made with my teammates watching in the <laughs> background and to get us through to nationals. So, yeah, I don't think you could ever really beat those experiences. Um, unfortunately, I'm I'm not from Europe, so I'm not going to be able to play Solheim. Um, so the team days mm. are probably behind me now but yeah it's it's a really cool cool thing to get to experience to have you know the weight of the team on your shoulders um but also at the end of the day you just have to go out and play your own game and try and forget about that i think that's a great strategy that your coach had um obviously ultimately the team effort uh is going to come together but i think focusing on your own individual play the numbers will take care of itself and obviously as a team you'll you'll strive to succeed um, and, and obviously at the, at, at the um, sort of human level, if you will, um, it gives you a chance to meet others that uh, I'm sure at some point uh, you may compete against uh, professionally uh, and may have already competed, um, but also you make some, uh, hopefully some lifelong friends uh, in the process as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I want to ask, how did USC find you and what junior tournaments did you play in so that they were aware what a player you were. Yeah, um, so I I think I got pretty lucky, to be honest. I'm actually um, staying here with my former teammate, Gabby Russell, as well. Um, so we have an interesting story. We came, came into college together and graduated together. Um, her, she spent her high school years in Australia. Um, so... I, I think we both came over to play uh, Junior Worlds in San Diego. I think it would have been our junior year of high school. And I came over with my mum and didn't really know much about the college system. Had no idea that Junior Worlds was, you know, a big tournament where coaches go out and um, recruit players and stuff like that. And I was playing my round and all of a sudden... Like, I have 10 college coaches following me. I'm like, what is going on? You know, like, I, being from New Zealand, I didn't really know much about it at all. Um, and then my mum's with me, who's probably only ever walked around a full round of golf maybe 10 times before that. Um, and she's got all these coaches coming up and asking her questions, and she's got no idea about really what my handicap or scoring average or SAT scores. We'd never even thought about doing an SAT. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just got thrown into it, to be fair. I got some college coaches watching me there um, and then, you know, I thought that was 
pretty pretty cool to get the chance to come over and uh, spend four years at a university and play for a team. And I just I actually visited uh, three other schools as well as USC, um, but never really thought USC being the program that it was would want you know a little a little name from New Zealand. Um, so USC was my last visit and, you know, they, they offered me a full ride and I just couldn't believe it. Um, the other, the other schools were kind of off the cards. I committed then and there really. Um, but yeah, I, Gabby and I kind of got lucky because, uh, Lily, he and Robin Ree had just turned pro, uh, the semester before, um, I was coming in and they, they needed some, some new players so I think Gabby and I we actually committed really late compared to most girls over here um I committed I think January um before coming in and Gabby was really late she was like a few months later than that so yeah it was awesome um to have you know to just come over and play one tournament and not really having Many great results um, internationally. I've never really played in the States or anything. Um, I definitely think they took a risk with me, but they had seen me play and uh, liked my stuff. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty fortunate. That's great. That's great. What um, is the best and the least favorite part of playing on tour? On the Epson tour? Yeah. The best and the worst part about playing on tour. I think playing the best part of playing on tour is that you get to play so much. Um, you get, you know, competitive golf is what I love to do. It's the off weeks that, you know, it's a bit more of a grind for me. Um, but, yeah, getting to play week after week and seeing new places, seeing new courses has been really fun. We're only halfway through the season right now, but I've, I've loved every week. Um, and then the worst part of being on tour is probably just not being home and not having my family over here. Um, you know, I got used to it being in college and stuff, but I think tour can be a little bit uh, more lonely than being in college. In college, you're in one place at the same time. You're surrounded by all your friends and on tour, you're kind of traveling around from place to place and I just turned 22 so um, to not have you know my family and my friends from back home and only being able to see them once a year is probably the toughest thing for me. Got it, got it. Ted? So uh, Amelia let me ask you just sort of playing off of that you mentioned that the harder part is sort of the in-betweens, like what you're experiencing now. You didn't have a tournament last week. Uh, you don't have a tournament this week. Um, so the downtime, is that harder for you than actually being in the grind of, of tournament play? Uh, do you find it difficult to know what to do with yourself? And, you know, obviously you're going to practice, of course, and, you know, work with your coach uh, whenever you can. But um, is that difficult for you? And, and what do you do with yourself during that downtime? What do you do besides, obviously, practice and and think about golf. Yeah, um, I think it's just, you know, you get so caught up in tournaments, you have your routines, and you're actually, tournament weeks are, I'd say, a lot busier than off weeks. 
which is understandable. Um, but you're also off weeks, you have you know more time to think and more time to realize just what you're doing and time to miss home. And um, so yeah, like a typical tournament uh, off week for me would be just playing and practicing. Um, I enjoy playing a lot more than practicing. Um, but I'm here with my coach and we are working on some stuff. So definitely getting some rips in and everything like that. But yeah, I think almost taking an off week and seeing that you have so much time on your hands, it's important to not overdo, you know, your time out on the course. And so I do try and get away from the course. Me and Gabby have been cooking a fair bit this week, which we don't really get the chance to um, out on tour, which has been really nice. Um, and just resting, like we're training, you know, practicing and in the gym as well. Um, and so some active recovery too. We've got a pretty nice apartment building and it's hot here in Orlando. So some time around the pool and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just, it's, it's nice just to do nothing sometimes, especially when you're traveling so much and playing so much. So kick the feet up and watch some Netflix or something. Yeah, it sounds like you and Gabby are having it real tough there uh, around the pool and and uh, all the other <laughs> stuff. So, <laughs> But no, uh, and yeah, that's good that you have a <laughs> – it's good that you have somebody um, that obviously you've developed a, a very good friendship with um, because you can kind of play off of one another too a little bit. You can help one another uh, through some of the, the tough times. And that's what I want to talk about here just briefly uh, because as you know – uh, I don't care what level of player you are, there's always going to be uh, some struggles and challenges along the way. What is mm-hmm. typically the area of your game that you struggle with most? So things might be moving along great. What part of your game is going to be likely the first part that is going to present the challenge for you in a tournament? What's going to be the uh, give you the most trouble in any tournament on, on, on a typical uh- average tournament? I'd say probably my iron play. Um, I always normally drive the ball great um, and can manage it a lot better than my iron play when it feels off. Um, so I'd say my iron play, which, you know, I I just changed coach end of last year. Um, so we're still working through a few, a few things and a few swing changes, but it's it's feeling really, really good now and it's actually finally starting to feel like my own swing um, mm-hmm. and I can kind of step up and not really think about it anymore. But I'd say, yeah, my iron play, um, but it's more of just an understanding um, for me of my swing and my tendencies that's really been able to get me out of some, you know, bad thoughts or something during the middle of the round. If I hit a few wayward shots, I kind of, know a lot better now how to fix things and what flight means what in my swing. Um, And I think the only way you can learn that is through going out and playing competitively and seeing what happens under pressure. Um, So I've definitely learned so much uh, these past four or five months. Um, And, you know, you can stand on a range and hit every ball great and not really take anything from it. Um, so just seeing this year as a as a big learning opportunity as well has been huge for uh, not only going forward and being able to use it 
um, in tournaments ahead, but also just going into every tournament and having that growth mindset, I think definitely eases some of the pressure as well to go out and perform. Although this mm. year, you know, wanting to finish on the top 10 and you're wanting to perform, um, I think it'd be a waste of a year if you're not learning from not only every tournament but every round. Because at the end of the day, we are here because we want to be able to compete on the LPGA, not just finish in the top 10. So um, it's kind of building a game that's going to allow me to not just make the LPGA but win tournaments on the LPGA. And the only way you're going to do that is by getting better on this tour, not just competing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been really, really cool up to now to, to see how many learning opportunities there's been and to see mm-hmm. how my game's kind of trending as I've been able to uh, implement those learnings, I guess. Yeah, and you're so right. I mean, obviously, you know, your your main goal at this point is is trying to make it onto the LPGA full-time and uh, you, you've got to do well in, in the, the Epson Tour that you're on right now, which obviously will, uh, finishing in the top 10, uh, will, will give you that opportunity. Uh, I want to go back to something you, you said very interesting, and, and you're talking about different things you're working on right now with your current coach and, and so forth. Um, but I want to go back to something that you said early on. You said when, when you first you know, sort of got, quote-unquote, bitten by the bug, you were out, you know, at six years old, you're swinging the golf club, and your father noticed that you had, you know, obviously some natural rhythm and a natural swing. Do you try to, and, and the reason why I'm asking this question is because I think if you have sort of a natural swing and rhythm already, you probably are not wanting to make a great deal number of changes and become more mechanical, let's say, as an example. Does your coach that you're working with now does he try to protect that? Certainly, you know, you're going to tweak some things and obviously some improvements, but he's not necessarily reinventing the wheel. He's taking what you naturally have right now and then tweaking or adding or, or subtracting, if you will, in some cases. Is that what he's trying to do, do you think? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, so I was working with um, a coach over that was based in Australia whilst I was in uh, college, and I wasn't able to see him for nearly two years because of COVID. Um, So Mm -hmm. I basically didn't have... We were doing videos and online stuff, but I basically didn't see a coach for two years. Um, And then I graduated and I was standing on the range um, on a Wednesday at the US Open before my first professional tournament. And I just had no idea what my swing was doing. Um, and that's when I got talking to Grant, Grant uh, Kiwi as well, and we just got along and um, obviously didn't start seeing him that week, but uh, spoke to him after that event and said, look, I'd, I think I do really need someone based in the States. So, yeah, I've been working with him since July, July of last year. And, yeah, he, he always says to me, like, you don't need a – be anyone else you just need to be you um so I think trusting your own athletic ability obviously we are trying to get better and I I probably wasn't in a great place when I started seeing him just through to the lack of coaching not because of my old coach or anything it just didn't have much much um, because of travel restrictions and stuff like that so yeah he's he's huge on you know 
he doesn't teach to one swing. I think that's right. the most amazing. Sees what you're really good at doing, and then mm-hmm. we just work around, you know, how we're going to make that better. And a lot of the stuff we've been doing, especially the last few months, is just shop shop making. Um, and I think that definitely brings out, you know, a different side to you and helps you trust your technique a lot more is when you're so clear on what shots you're trying to hit. And that's also going back to that growth mindset on the, the Epson tour is not being afraid to, you know, maybe hit shots that other girls aren't out here because at the end of the day, the world number one and, you know, the top 10 in the world are doing this. We just don't see it as much on the Epson tour. Um, right. That, you know, Grant was a player himself. He played on the PGA tour. So he's really mm-hmm. trying to make his the best in the world and um, not just going out and, you know, trying to perform week after week. We're really trying to build for that long term, which has been good. And I'm, I'm such a... I would say creative player. And so when I play my worst, I'd say, or don't feel as good in my swing, it's when I'm getting too technical and thinking about Mm -hmm. positions and stuff. Like like if you just asked me to hit a high draw over a tree, I probably would be able to do it. And now working with Grant, I'm actually understanding why I'm able to do it, which has been the big part. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, how to hit shots and when those shots are needed so yeah definitely I'd say 20% of our stuff right now is technical a lot of it is is shot making yeah I think it's important um, for any level whether you're a professional like yourself or even at the amateur level um, and you're working with a coach of of some sort that it's important that they're building off of what you have Um, I think sometimes you know, and it is not a, a slam at coaches, but sometimes they tend to want to put their own mark or want to, um, you know, teach to a, a certain method, and it may not be applicable for that particular player. And sometimes, you yeah. know, they'll fall into that trap. So um, it's good that you recognize that, more importantly, but also that he recognizes that. And I, I know I don't know him personally, but uh, I know of Grant uh, very well. I watched him when he played on the PGA Tour, so I know he's a, a great player and, and obviously um, has become a great coach as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I love the fact that he's helping you understand what you do. I want to know that if you get off track while you're playing, are you able to tweak and fix yourself? Yeah, like that honestly has been probably the last, the biggest learning of the last couple of months for me is, you know, and I think the only, as I said, like the only way you can start to figure that stuff out is playing under pressure and seeing, you know, what my tendencies are. And it's always to revert back to where I was, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, like Grant's been able to teach me like, Almost, you know, you've got your positions and stuff that you want to be in, but it's more about feels out there and, okay, what happens? What's happening when I feel this? Or what's happening when I hit, you know, my high right shot is kind of like my miss. I know that I'm inside and under. And then I have, you know, this is why we practice. It's it's saying, okay, well, what feels do I need to kind of be able to fix that when I'm out there? Because that's the big thing. It's like, 
you you get a you lose a field during a round, and if you're not able to, you know, make adjustments or manage your your swing, then that's what can turn, you know, a an even par round if you're able to manage it to a blowout, a five over, six over, and you're out of the tournament. And um, so I think, yeah, that's it's I've learned so much this last year, but that's been the biggest thing for me is knowing my tendencies and knowing how to make adjustments out there that are going to get me to the round um, and then, you know, get on the range and actually see, okay, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Let's, let's reset. Awesome. Awesome. Ted? Very good. All right, uh, Amelia, I know that um, you agreed to stay a few minutes longer uh, with us this morning since you've got some, some time in between events. So we're going to take a real quick, quick break, and then I have something uh, that I want to ask you um, that hopefully will help some of our listeners out there. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're with our very special guest this morning, Amelia Garvey. She is with the Epson Tour and on a, currently on a break, getting ready for her next event up in Michigan. So, Amelia, before we took a very quick break, I said I had something that I wanted to ask you, uh, and hopefully we'll help some of the listeners out there. I want you to walk us through when you're at an event. Um, a lot of amateurs struggle with it. They're thinking a thousand different things, uh, when they're stepping up to the first tee and, and through the golf course and very confused, don't know what to focus on. Walk us through, uh, certainly not the whole round, but maybe an example of what you're thinking about uh, as you're getting ready to step up uh, on the first tee. What's going through your mind? What are you thinking about and what are you not thinking about? And then once you're actually ready to hit the shot, um, is it a single swing thought that you have or is there something particular that you like to think about uh, as you're getting ready to, to pull the trigger, as they say. So I know it's a sort of a three-pronged uh, approach here, but uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on what you're thinking about um, as you prepare for the round and uh, for each hole, and then what you try to avoid getting too cluttered in your mind, and then what do you think about when you're actually standing over the ball? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it all starts, you know, with your preparation at the start of the week, Um learning about the course, so obviously being clear on, on what this specific course needs. Um, you know, playing on tour, we're playing a different course every week. So definitely doing the right prep to go out, you know, being clear on, you know, if, if it's a bit wider, okay, I'm going to be able to hit more drivers. If it's not too bad around the greens, then I can be quite aggressive at pins and stuff like that. But for me, um, in terms of, knowing what I'm trying to do with my game out on the course. It starts on, on you know, the putting green and the range uh, when I'm warming up and 
you know, Grant's always said to me, don't be, don't be afraid to take videos during your warm-up. Obviously, you're not changing anything or being technical, but for me, I, I play my best when I'm clear about what my swing is doing. Um, so just to get that sort of reassurance to know, okay, I'm in the right spot or, you know, maybe today I'm a little outside or just doing this just to be, have that clarity so I'm not guessing, um, you know, if I hit a shot and I go, okay, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense because I was doing this on the range, then I've got that confirmation to go out there and make an adjustment. Um, so when I'm out on the range warming up, it's, it's just getting clear about, you know, my, my swing feels for the day. For me, I try to stay away from sports because if I – if you think of a thought, I'd probably start to overdo it. Um, mm. So it's, it's getting that feel. Cause it's not about, you know, a lot of the times for me I get inside. So like with my hand pass and my club gets flat. So if I just think, okay, I need to be more out, more out, more out, I'll just start overdoing it and I'll definitely right. lose like all motion of my swing. So it's just more of a feel for me. So I'll go, okay, this is, this is the feel that I need for the day. Um, and, you know, knowing what you're trying to do with your swing is, is huge as well. Like, I think you can hit shots that you can hit better shots with your eyes closed if you try to make adjustments not knowing what you're doing. And um, you're better mm-hmm. off just going out there and, and, swinging willy-nilly rather than trying to do things with your swing if you don't actually know what you're doing. So, right. yeah, starting on the range, um, figure out what feel I'm going to go with for the day. And that's where, you know, the learning over the last four months for me has been, okay, what feels not only work on the range, but they work on the course as well. Because you can have a feel on the range that, might just feel so uncomfortable out on course that you can't actually commit to. So I have like two or three fields now, which I know I can feel comfortable with out on course um, that I kind of go back and forth from. Um, and yeah, so like leading up to the 30, you know, I've, I've got my feel for the day and I'm going to go out there and trust that at the end of the day. And um, I think the acceptance of, the fact that you are going to hit some bad shots, you are going to hit some average shots, but if you stick to that same feel, you're going to hit a lot more good and great shots than bad shots. I think my tendency is I I hit a bad shot and then I try and make an adjustment out there rather than accepting, mm-hmm. no, like this is the feel that I started the day that I'm going to carry out to the end of the round. Yes, if you're hitting, you know, five or six shots or really bad shots, you can make an adjustment, um, but nothing major. So, yeah, it's just really finding and committing to that and accepting that it's golf, you're going to hit bad shots and it might not, you know, it might not even be a swing. It could have been the wrong decision. You might not have felt comfortable over it, stuff like that. Um, but actually walking up, and over the shot, I'm just really trying to visualize and be clear on what shot I'm trying to hit. Um, mm-hmm. I think I played better 
when I am trying to do something with a shot, like to put a certain motion on it, like I'm, I'm going to try and hit a low fade here. It's kind of like my go-to off the tee. Um, it gets me away from being too inside, which that high right shot comes from. So definitely off the first tee, I'm, I'm always looking just to visualize where I'm, where I'm trying to hit it, what shot I'm trying to hit, and then just trusting it at the end of the day. Um, but I do a lot of a lot of breath work. My last sort of thought going into the shot is, am I present? If yes, then just go and go and kill it. I guess. Yep, I think that's a great uh, a great analogy of of really what to do. And, and the reason why I ask that, Amelia, is because I think a lot of amateur golfers struggle with a number of things, that, which I'm going to point out. Number one is they don't really go in with uh, a game plan. Uh, number one, and number two is they tend to tinker with a lot of things. You know, they get out there, they hit a couple of bad shots. Next thing you know, they're fiddling with their grip, or you know, they're moving yeah. the ball position all over the place to do that, and they take a, a you know, what may have been a momentarily bad situation and now made it worse, and it just perpetuates. Yeah. The other thing that I, uh, and I, I want you maybe just to talk briefly a little bit about this, is, uh, you know, as you said, when you step up on the first tee, you know, you're visualizing the shot that you want to hit. Um, but you're also looking out uh, and assessing, okay, here's my target, where I want the ball to go, the area I want the ball to go, or position, um, you're obviously aware of trouble that may be there, but you're not focusing or dwelling on it, correct? Yeah, no, not at all. I think, you know, a, a really good question. I actually, I did, I got to play uh, Nick Faldo's amateur series event, and this is what he said. He said, before each shot, ask yourself, okay, what am I trying to do here? So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, that brings you back to being present because you're thinking about what's in front of you, but you're also looking and thinking about what you're trying to do rather than what you're not trying to do. Um, I think on tight courses or courses with a lot of trouble, it's easy to see that and it's easy to go, okay, don't right. hit it right, don't hit it right, or don't right. hit it left. <laughs> but if, if you ask right. yourself that question, okay, I'm trying to land the ball there, and you're so much more zoned in on what you're trying to do rather than what you're not trying to do, I guess. Yeah, and that, that was my point is I think that the amateurs do the opposite. They're fo- instead of focusing on, okay, what's my target? Where do I want the ball to go? They're thinking, okay, I, I need to avoid that, that water on the right or that you know, a bunker yeah. out, in the, you know, out in the left side of the fairway. I don't want to hit it into the bunker. And they're always thinking from a negative standpoint. And I think it's important that they understand it's really the opposite. I mean, you need to be aware of it. You need to be conscious of the trouble out there, but not be the center focus of, of your, your thought process as you step up to the tee uh, or even in the fairway when you're approaching the green. There's going to be trouble, obviously, as we know um, from playing, that um, there's always going to be some trouble that arises. Uh, but if you're focusing on that, it's like a magnet. You're going to draw your golf ball into the bunker or or, uh, or what have you. But So I think that's some, some great advice. Any final thoughts that I you'd like? Um, I have to hang no, on. I'm sorry. I've got, to, I've got to interrupt. Yep. I've got to interrupt. Yep. Um, so what I hear you saying, and we are thousands of years apart from each other. I'm not going to tell you exactly <laughs> how many. But I set, and my husband and I are the only married couple in the world that have played on all four major tours. So he played on the PGA Tour, 
the uh, Champions Tour. I played on the LPGA Tour and the Legends Tour. And Alan's like the second purest ball striker Dave Pelz has ever tested. So a couple of Walker Cup teams, World Cup team, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's always known his own golf swing. And I, on the other hand, have always been search and scan. So, and we teach a lot now, so I don't have time to practice. And I got into this tournament from my career money earnings on the LPGA Tour, right? So we teach a young girl that's trying to play on the Upton and the LPGA as well. And I said to her, you know, you're 23 years old. Just make sure you pay attention to what you're doing because the money that I made 41 years ago just got me into another major championship, and it did it last year too. Anyway, point being, I've been working on my swing, and I don't have time to practice because I were giving so many lessons. And I said to Alan, I hate to admit this, but I've played golf for 50 years, and to be honest with you, if you know what you're doing when you're swinging and you are internally focused on what your process is, it's just a matter of walking up, planning the shot, doing your process, putting the club in the bag, walking up to the next shot, doing your process, hitting the next shot, and it's just a bunch of those shots that add up to a score. And he just smirked that, I'm not going to swear, but that grin. He's like, yeah, that's all it is. I go, well, if you know what the hell you're doing, standing over the ball, how freaking hard is this? It's not that hard. (laughs) Right? So, I mean, that's... Yeah, so again, I I'm really old, but and he's like, you're gonna die out there because I'm 66, right? And I don't really care because I get in the tournament, so I want to go play. And the, you know what I'm doing? I want to test myself to see if I can follow that process. And I'm gonna go internally focused, almost be selfish, and say, I'm just doing this for me. I want to see if I can hit a shot with a gun pointed at my head, and I've got my finger on the trigger. And can you do what you're supposed to do to pull it off? So there you go. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I think the game gets so much easier when you actually understand what's going on. And, like, I I literally had no idea what I was doing for, you know, probably my whole college career. And, you know, as you said, like, when you said about the amateurs tinkering with things, Imagine doing that on a Wednesday before your first, well, your second US Open, but your first professional debut. Like, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I was changing my grip. Like, Mm -hmm. this is all the time in the world to learn about my game. But I I was 20 at the time. So, you know, it's all a learning experience. But now, like, it relieves so much stress and pressure when you actually know, you know, how to fix things and you can go out and around, you know that it's not going to, nothing's ever going to, you know, go perfectly as planned, but it gives you so much confidence when you have the belief in yourself to go out there and be able to figure it out, Um, which, you know, it's so much more exciting to go and play golf like that because you feel like you have so much more control um, and you actually know what know what's going to happen out there, rather than going, oh, what what's going to happen today, kind of thing. <laughs> it, well, and it's trust. A, a perfect example. Yeah. We had he had not played in the tournament in ten years, 
And we got invited to go to Australia with the Legends Tour, and there was a senior LPGA tournament and a senior PGA Australian tournament. So they asked us both to go. And he didn't have – his clubs were illegal, the irons. And the, I'm like, what are you going to do? Because he was waiting for a set. Taylor made was setting him a set of clubs. He goes, well, a five iron is a five iron. It's not a big deal. The clubs came the day before we left. He never played golf with them. We fly to Australia. He hasn't played in a tournament in 10 years, and he finishes in the top 10. But he goes, you don't, all you got to do is warm up. Once you know what you're doing, you just have to warm up. And I'm like, yeah. wow. So, again, part of this, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying this to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Trust what you're doing. The more you know what you're doing, the better you're going to be. And we're going to watch you win U.S. Opens, LPGA Championships, you know, all kinds of tournaments. So keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. You're on the right track. And I love your mindset. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Amelia, we squeaked past a few minutes longer than what I promised you we were going to do. So we're going to let you go because I know you've got stuff to do. And even though you're on a break this week, I know you want to practice and, and, uh, and do some things, and, and I'm sure you and Gabby are going to be cooking up a storm later today, so um, just save me a plate. Uh, but we want to thank you for, for joining us this morning and spending a little extra time with us, and hopefully the audience uh, pulled a few nuggets out of our conversation today that will help them with their game. But we appreciate it, and as Cindy said, I concur. Uh, good luck. We think you're going to do extremely well. Good luck this season, and uh, much continued success, and uh, we look forward to, uh, again, watching you win some Uh, tournaments here in the future but uh, thank you for joining us this morning on the women of golf thank you guys thanks honey good luck thanks so much guys all right bye-bye all right that was our very special guest amelia garvey from the epson tour and you're you're exactly right cindy we'll just take a few more minutes because we're we're getting close to our time um i i dragged it a little bit longer um, than uh, than anticipated, but uh, I was enjoying really what she said. Um, but what a what a great attitude and and so exactly right. She obviously knows herself very very well uh, and trusts uh, her own instincts. And I think that's important. I think you know as as we alluded to, I think sometimes as as amateurs uh, they tend to. Um, you know, not really trust the process, as you pointed out, and they just get in there and they're picking parts and changing this and doing that, and the next thing you know, you know, it's a hell in a handbasket. So um, I think it's some, some good advice that, that you gave her. So let's move on to you as you're driving down the road. Um, what is your thought process besides uh, sticking with what you know? Um, do you have a game plan besides that that you're going to do for this tournament? I'm going to be very aware of my thoughts when Cynthia shows up, right, my evil <laughs> twin, and starts to try too hard and tries to create an outcome instead of sticking to the process. Again, my I've tried so hard, and, and again, I can hear in Amelia's voice, you know, she played four years of college not really knowing what she was doing, but she right. got through it because of her grit. Mm-hmm. You know, freshman and sophomore year, she, she missed qualifying a few times. And she said, well, that's right. enough of that, which is, again, what I did, right? So right. if you understand your swing, and Alan's tried to help me, right? And, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just perfect timing. It's not that 
I haven't heard this before. I've heard it, you know, right. a lot. But maybe <laughs> right. it's a delayed intelligence attack, right, that I finally am understanding that this is what you have to do if you want to hit the shot the way you want it, you know, straight, on purpose. So yeah. that's – there is no other way. And and typically when I go, I'm you know, I'm trying to prove that I belong and, um, you know, a lot of thoughts that no, most amateurs have, you know, am I good enough to be here and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and now it's like, no, you've earned the right, you know, you got the ticket, you've earned it. So yep. now let's just try to enjoy it and, and have some fun and see mm-hmm. if you can hit the shots you want to hit. That's all you can do because you can't control the outcome. I mean, look at Rory. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. It's not that he played yeah, bad; and, he got beat. Exactly, and and you know, and and you're exactly right. I think sometimes we all, uh, on occasion, but particularly uh, our amateurs, fall into that trap. Is, you know, they think, uh, and even obviously uh, some of the young pros up and coming fall into that trap where, you know, they're almost dumbfounded at the the fact that they're where they are. It's like I can't believe I'm here and I'm doing this and. And they, it's not that they don't feel that they haven't earned it, but it's just that they're second-guessing themselves. And I think that was the point I was trying to make earlier with really focusing on what needs to be done and not focusing on the trouble or, or the, the hazards or things like that. And I think it's the same thing. I think, you know, that stinking thinking, as, as it were, um, gets people, stymies a lot of people. They, they're focusing on the negative aspects instead of saying, you know what, I, I feel very blessed, and I'm obviously from a humbling standpoint, that I'm playing in this event this week. I'm, you know, I'm playing in this tournament this week, or, uh, or my club championship, and and I'm going to have a good time and have fun instead of focusing on, oh God, I'm, I'm going to, you know, am I going to whiff it out there? Am I going to stink? You know, instead of focusing on the negative aspects, you, you know, change your self-talk, and that I think can help tremendously. And even if you go out and hit some bad shots, so what? You're out there, you're doing something that well, you, you enjoy, you're having fun. Right. It was, yeah, yeah. It's a matter. Don't it's, it's think a you're not gonna. You will hit that right. shot. It's how will you respond? And I think once you, yeah, yeah. And I think once you accept that, now I certainly don't abdicate for violence, but I think you need to lock Cynthia in the trunk when you get to the event. <laughs> I think that's what you need to do. Lock her, tie her up, lock her in the trunk, and and just walk away and and go and have some fun. But um, um, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you guys are. Uh, I know you said uh, the other week when we were on that you like a road trip, so you're obviously taking a road trip and. Forget about the heat. Don't worry about it. Just go out there and have fun. Yep, I'm gonna. Thank you. And we'll. You're welcome. And we'll talk about it and uh, uh, next week a little bit. And you can uh, give us some of the highlights. But on that note, we're gonna wrap things up. And um, again, we want to thank our very special guest Amelia Garvey for joining us uh, from the Epson Tour. Um, and uh, Cindy, good luck uh, this week at the LPJ Senior Championship. Uh, we wish you all the best and kick Cynthia out of the car or something on the highway, whatever you got to do to get rid of her. But anyways, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you next week. And on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico, and you've been listening to the Women of Golf. God bless, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, honey. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network.
or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.